Well, hello, Holly. Hello, Dave. What's going on? Hey, and everybody, welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Yeah, it's exciting. Wait, you're supposed to say the podcast. The podcast. Yeah, the <laughs> podcast is exciting. Yeah, so welcome. Hey, how, how are you? I didn't get the script today. <laughs> I figured you'd know it by heart this by is now. All, it feels like we're, we're just talking, but we're actually, this, we write this script out every, every week. Everything is, is scripted. You'd never know. This part we're talking about, scripted. Crazy. Not. What? <laughs> what? Okay, so we have a podcast. What is this all about? Why are we doing this? What's going we are on? We're talking 80s. We're talking mostly 80s music, mm-hmm. some fashion and pop culture, mm-hmm. TV, movies, yep. is what I mean by pop culture. Yes. But mostly music, because we love 80s music. Indeed. Don't we, Dave? We do. Yes, of course. Um and just as a springboard, we've been using the K-Rock 106.7 songs from the entire decade of the 80s. We did 1980. We did 81. I, 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 what comes next? 82. 82. <laughs> Perfect. I, I'm still learning. Um, I, I couldn't remember. And Okay. And now we're doing 1983. And we are counting down the 106.7 songs of 1983 that were played on the world-famous K-Rock. We also remember we want to remind our, our listeners that while we are using a list of 106.7 songs because that was their frequent that is their frequency, they have since pared it down to 80 songs. So 26.7 songs have been eliminated from each year, and it's been fun to guess whether a song's been eliminated or not. And we are pretty much mid 1983 now, right? Mid. Would you call? Number 70, mid? <laughs> no, I guess right. I would call we 50 are, mid. Both of us are bad at math. Okay. So yes. that's okay. Yes, a shout out to my <laughs> to my BFF, Fable, who we met in uh, remedial math in college. You were in remedial math? Yeah. Really? Math 098 or 099 or An something o like that. An O class? An O class, oh yeah. God. Super proud. You <laughs> managed to to rise above... I have risen above, yeah. and I... Did you take I, another math class after that? Why would I ever have taken another math class? Well, yeah. I probably... There, there might have been another requirement. I might have blocked it out, and I probably haven't used any kind of math, sure. much math since, nor have I been able to help my children in math as they've grown past probably sixth grade. Mm, okay. But as a podcaster oh. and talking about 80s music, how often do I need math? You, well, apparently you need it because uh, you don't know what half of 106.7 is. Okay. Back to the original point. That is a good point. Maybe I should go back and take a refresher math class. That's all right. Were you a mathy? I was not uh, not a mathy, but I, I did okay in math. I remember taking a statistics class in math, you know. Yeah. Baseball fan. You got to learn a little math. Sure. Actually, so it's my, all math now in baseball. It is all, it is all math and math. Uh, Sam, my son, my 17-year-old, youngest child, oldest son, mm-hmm. is taking, he opted for statistics over calculus as a senior in high school. Um, I guess he, he finds that he will never have a use for calculus, but statistics there may very well be a use for in the future. For sure. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yeah, if he loves baseball, I yep. mean, you read anything about baseball, it's all numbers. He, he does. and It's it is, crazy yeah. numbers now. Yeah. <laughs> not, sure, not sure how I feel about that, but, you know. No, okay. <laughs> Could lead to a future for your oldest son. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe it will. Oh. Stay tuned. By All the right. time we get to uh, 1989, maybe he'll have a, a career already. Maybe he'll be able to find his full-fledged career. 
goes on. This will go on forever. Yeah. If if all else, uh, if all goes according to plan. Yes. All right. So uh, part math is counting backwards. Can you, uh, as we count down, you know, the smaller the number, the bigger the hit. How about, thanks, Casey. How about if we start with 70 today? Okay. So this uh, week, we're going to go from 70 to 61. Yes. These are the songs that were originally played on KROQ. This was their year-end list. And then I will say whether it is on the updated list of uh, that's on the uh, HD2 station, the world-famous K-Rock of You'll their 80s. You'll say if the song whatever. is still on. You'll I'll ask me, and I'll, I'll tell you if the song is still on. Right. I'll ask you if you think <laughs> it's still on, and uh, I'll let you know. Okay. The answer may right surprise you. <laughs> Very good. I thought it was a teaser. It, it's always a teaser. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so let's uh, let's uh, fire it up and uh, get started. What? Uh, where are we? Seventy. We are at seventy, and seventy is Falco. Falco with Der Kommissar. Alles klar, Herr Kommissar. <laughs> okay, you know we probably have German listeners. Alles klar, Herr Kommissar. Do you know what that means? Uh, you can go ahead and tell me. It means everything okay, officer. Yeah, it's very <laughs> cool. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I knew that at the time. You cool, Commissar? Yeah. You cool, officer? I'm good. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool. You cool? <laughs> did you watch the video? I did not watch it this time. It's great. It's just hilarious. But I mean, he looks like... Well, he, <laughs> he looks he, like what? Does he look like a, a Commissar? First, first of all, a lot of cocaine is probably in his system during the shooting of this video. Uh-huh. But he's got the sunglasses. He looks kind of like... Um, I hate to say like a giant douchebag, but, but, you know, he's got that, I that do remember. Atti- but he, he does have that attitude, but it plays as a rock star, you know, like looking back like, Oh, okay. That's eighties rock star. It's kind of fun to see the backdrop of, of, um, a police car and then he's running and it's, but you know, it look, it doesn't look real at all, but that was, well, that was the video, but he, he did his like, little dance. He looks like uh, Donald Trump Jr. or something. He just got the, the slick back hair and the sunglasses. I don't know. He looks a little bit like, like George Michael in a mm-hmm. way. Well, it can't be a bad look. In the early eighties, it was a great look. And he looks, you know, like looks the the, he looks like the cocky rock star. Okay. Douchey, as Which, you might say. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what happens when you ingest a lot of cocaine, allegedly. This song by Falco was number one in Germany. Number one in Austria, number one in France, Italy, Japan, and Spain. What about the U.S.? Uh, it was not number one here. No, it did not. Not like Rock Me Amadeus. No, this did not did not make a mark at all. Oh, at all? Why was Falco not, you know, this huge international hit was not on the charts? Clean Falco's version was all in German. After the Fire's version is in English. English. Right. Yes. He did. He actually encouraged English speaking bands to record his song because he felt it would help him make inroads in the U.S. That works. That worked out <laughs> yeah. well. Because we do know Falco for the song. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What's really interesting is I, um, as I was doing my deep dive, I heard this song uh, by Laura Branigan called Deep in the Dark. Yeah. Did you listen to that? No, I, <laughs> no, I didn't listen to it. You need to listen to things. I I do listen to things. <laughs> this was I can uh, yeah. You went pretty deep on this. go go on YouTube and listen to Deep in the Dark, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you will post it on social media. It's the exact instrumental version, the instrumental version, but different lyrics. But he's but it's a translation of the lyrics, isn't it? No, no. For Laura Branigan, yeah, it is. No, the the chorus is Deep in the Dark. Oh oh, oh with thunder in her heart. Oh oh. oh, oh. That was I. Gonna delete that. That's gotta. That's horrible. 
no, no. But so anyway, you, but she, <laughs> so she did her own, okay. added her own lyrics to to that song. Okay, I will. I promise. I That's promise. Okay. And I'll and I'll post. I'll go back and listen and I'll post. All right. Were you a Lord of Brannigan fan? I was not. What? I, I <laughs> what am Gloria. I going to say? I respect her. <laughs> uh, I know she's talented, has many fans. Yeah. I don't dislike her, just yeah. not a fan. 1983 was a good year yeah. for Laura. She had a hit with Solitaire. It was number seven. Yeah. That was the follow-up to to Gloria. Um, and she had another song on there called um, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? Do you know that song? I do. I'm um, not going to sing it. You're no, not going to like it. But who, who sang that song? He's also the writer. Ah, you put me on the spot. I know. That's what I do here. Yeah. I feel like I'm on Jeopardy and I'm just... Mm. No, you would have been passed over. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, Michael Bolton. Yeah, that was his. That was his first hit. That's um, a mental block, I think. That, that's okay. <laughs> but Laura, Laura had a hit with that originally, and then of course Michael took it to Stratosphere, and he wrote it. Yeah, it yeah. was originally written for Air Supply. Did you know that? Why does that not surprise me? Yeah, um, they wanted to make some lyrical changes, and Michael was like, "Nope, I want it as is." And so they gave it to Laura, and there you go. Wow! And but, Michael Bolton said, "Do you know who I am? You don't change history. my songs." <laughs> <laughs> when I, as I did my deep Laura Brannigan dive, I also saw she was she did a guest appearance on Chips, in which she played Sarah, the lead singer of the female rock band Cadillac Foxes. <laughs> that is a very eighties name. I love that name, <laughs> Cadillac Foxes. Hmm. I have an idea for your future. When we retire from podcasting, oh, that's never... we can do a girl band. We can be do, be girl band managers, and okay. we can restart the Cadillac Foxes. I, I would 100% be into that. Okay. <laughs> Is this song still on the updated list? Oh, yeah, no question. No question. Okay. Would you care to guess? It was number 70 in 1983 in this updated list. Where is it? 65. Good guess. 62. Oh. Very good. Do I get extra points for that? Sure. I'll give you points. Okay. There you go. Okay. So let's move on to number 69. This song, um, <laughs> Radio Free Europe by R.E.M., our first uh, REM sighting. Yep. This is what reeled me in. And <laughs> this got it, you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, this got me into them, but I'm just going to pretty much let you do all the talking about uh, REM because Dave is the... Well, I'm not. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. But it, it was one of those things where you, I heard this and it was no, like nothing I had heard on, on K-Rock. Yeah. But and then you see pictures of them. I I don't know. It was just something different and uh, compelling. I don't know. But they they kind of they were just they mm-hmm. were they were a little bit older mm-hmm. than me. Um, but they kind of dressed like me. They you know like you know you watch them like these these are Dave dresses these, like a hipster. Just so you know, no, these REM were not hipsters. They were just guys who played rock music. Yeah, but they're kind of hipsters. They were hipsters before the hipster before without the, being hipster. No, yeah, I didn't. No, they they didn't come across as being hipsters at all to me. To a young Dave Sloan. That's because uh, but these were just, you were one yourself. These so you were just recognize it. I don't know. They were just yeah. They were just guys from Athens. Georgia. You know, Pete Buck worked in a record store, and and so you know, like someone like Springsteen, he was thirty five or thirty. You know, in his thirties. Who knows what you know? He's old. He's, he's over. Lived he's lived a life that we know nothing about. I mean, that we yeah. He's over yeah. really. I mean, I last album I heard was Nebraska. Like. Forget this guy. This is this is it. <laughs> I'm never going to follow Springsteen. You know, who knows if he puts out anything again. But this Certainly this not. thing from REM was something uh, exciting. The, this song originally came out in '81, um, which I and actually I didn't know anything about. I knew it. I was familiar that it came out on Hibtone. That's I didn't know anything about Hibtone. 
So, of course, I look on Wikipedia, and it's uh, a, <laughs> a label that was based in Atlanta, and they released eight records. The person that was uh, in charge of Hibtone was Johnny Hibbert, a law student <laughs> at Woodrow Wilson College of Law. Whoa. And yeah, so they, they put out eight records. One of them happened to be Radio Free Europe with Sitting Still. And it's it's a different version. The Hibtone version is different than the one on on Murmur. Oh. Um, that one's a little more... I kind of like the uh, well just because i i originally heard the uh the one on the irs records that's yeah. um so i kind of like that but you know you you hear the the hip tone versions a little more rocking and a little dirtier you post uh, that to oh really like gritty or actual yeah yeah dirty? yeah <laughs> grittier it's okay. just it's just kind of uh it's cool and, you know they they put it out later on on their uh they're different uh, greatest hits records. Yeah. Hearing this song, even though I had no idea what was being sung. Yeah. It was just. There's a reason for that. Yeah. But I mean, it was just something that was working. It was crazy. One of my favorite Radio Free Europe moments is on, happened on April 13th, 1983, when the song was played on American Bandstand. And they. <laughs> it does not have a. There was. Beat you can dance to. Do you remember American Bandstand where you had to rate a record? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what the rating numbers were? It was not zero to 100. I don't remember. You could rate the record between 35 and 98. And I have no idea why it was 35 to 98, but that's what they came up with. I do not remember that. So um, so it was a guy and a girl, and both gave it a 95. And uh, the girl says it's, uh, it's more danceable than the other song. And then Dick Clark asks, is it a hit? And she says, sure, why not? And uh, the guy says, uh, it's determine a hit song. And the guy says, if it's easy to dance to in a club, then it's a good record. And then Dick Clark says, that's proof in the pudding. <laughs> and so there you go. Um, but it's, it's, it's great just watching, you know, they play maybe like a minute and a half snippet of the song. And you just see these kids in their eight, like totally 80s dancing to the song. And it's, it's phenomenal. It's one of my, I, I love, I've. I, once in a while, I'll watch that. Actually, last night I watched it and it was just fun. We're going to post this because I, I I've not seen this. I'm going to look at it. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. great. And as is the album Murmur, you know, yes. Rolling Stone's best album of 1983, mm-hmm. which was beat out uh, some album called Thriller by I don't know who and Synchronicity uh. by another no name band and <laughs> and this other album and called War by U2. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how you say it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. This this one beat beat out those. It was uh, Rolling Stone's number eight greatest album of the eighties. So Murmur, yeah, Murmur was my entry. <laughs> like, yeah. This is something new, and, and this felt like kind of like your like my band. These yeah. are you know it was like my secret band because I didn't know anyone else really in high school that that knew about the band, or I didn't really I didn't have any REM shirts or anything, but I had this album. And, you know, it was just like my little yeah my little band. That's funny. It, it's. To me, it sounds like I would not have guessed that about American Bandstand. To me, it sounds like, and maybe because I know now and I know the band now, this to me sounds like the ultimate college radio song. Sure, but you didn't know it at the time. I mean, no, we you were didn't. in high school. Wait, exactly. <laughs> I was entering college that year. Okay, wait, I want to go back to what you said. You didn't know what he was saying in the song. You didn't right. know what. Right. There was <laughs> no internet or anything to, uh, to, to get the lyrics. Yeah. And they weren't on the. Like, there, there was nothing on the, on the, sleeve. on the sleeves. No, there were, yeah. it, I, you know, that was what when when you read all reviews of the albums, like, well, no one really knows what he's saying, but it's it worked in the in the mix. Do you know there was a good reason for that? What is the reason? He hadn't finished the lyrics by the time they recorded the album, 
He said in an, in an interview with NME in 19, 1988, mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael Stipe described the lyrical content as complete babbling. Yeah, it's interesting. They were all trying to find their, their way around yeah. it. I mean, I remember the first time I saw them was for the second album. I never, I didn't see, I think they might have even played Magic Mountain, I think, or something, something like that for the first oh, album, which I never saw. I think. Yeah, which I never saw. They used to have shows at Magic Mountain, like oh, good sure. shows. Oh, sure. Steve's not missing persons there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't just Spinal, spinal Tap with Puppet Show. Yeah. No, definitely <laughs> not. They had, they did have good bands. They had yeah. that nice little theater. I've seen bands there too. Yeah. Great place to see new bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember like they were all trying to figure, I remember Michael would be singing a song and just kind of wander off to the, like behind the drum kit and like, where are you going? You're the lead singer. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, they, they were unique. It wasn't like, this wasn't big rock and roll. This, it felt like an independent, like just trying to do their own thing. Just, you know, they all had their own individual personalities and, yeah. and all shine through. So. And you were, you've been a loyal fan. Yeah. I still love them. All right. Enough REM talk. Okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back to the REM talk. What uh, <laughs> is this still on the list? Absolutely. Okay, uh, it is. Yes. yes, one better than Der Kommissar. It's uh, number 61. 61. Yay! Hey. And, and well I, deserving of it. I didn't realize it actually made it onto the Billboard charts, number seventy eight, which was uh, oh. pretty good for an independent uh, band. Number sixty eight is "Don't Try to Stop It" by Roman Holiday. Do you remember the song? I do remember the song. Did you remember before we were? I did because yeah. that's one of those songs where you hear the <laughs> title and it, you immediately hear the the melody of the song. That's all the lyrics. That to me, I can't think of any of the other lyrics. But it's like an earworm. Yeah, it just <laughs> sounds. It sounds like uh, sounds like Wham to me. I was I, okay. I listened to it last night. I'm like, oh, this is a Wham song. So if you like Wham, it'll show up on your Spotify. If you like Wham, you may like. You may Roman like Holiday. Roman Holiday exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Do, can you tell me anything about this song? No, I mean, it, it made it up to uh, 14 in uh, the UK and number 68 in the US. Yeah. It's not a great song. It's catchy. <laughs> it's it's catchy. catchy. It's, I don't know. Is that I, a good beat and you can dance to it? Maybe. Like, it sounds like Wham. Like, I, you know, I kind of, I might like Wham songs more now, knowing that where George Michael was headed. So I kind of appreciate those songs more. Um, so I don't know why. I mean, I heard this and it's just like, no, this is not for me. Okay. <laughs> you, you, so you're, wait, are you saying that you didn't appreciate the George Michael songs or Wham as much not, back in the day? Not at the time. No, I had a reputation no. to You had a reputation to <laughs> I did not have. <laughs> or he had a reputation. I don't, I don't know. It's like, no, the, you know, like you listen to the Wham, it just felt like a, like a boy band or, you know, like <sighs> this is, I, I, I think I like the songs. I didn't, uh, I didn't love the songs or appreciate the uh the production or what was going into the, the songs and it took me you know like with a lot of things over time mm-hmm. they they hold up or maybe it's maybe it's where that that career is going to in the future that makes me look back and like oh the, these were good songs okay well, however, like, however you get there yeah kind of like you know justin timberlake or someone like oh, that yeah right so Super talented. Yeah. Oh, because George Michael. I mean, I, I I loved the music at the time, but I have such a deeper appreciation for it now. Mm-hmm. But I always loved it. And I loved Wham because it was catchier, right. you know, catchy, catchier, I think, than George Michael solo. But then, you know, I want to follow him. I wanted to follow him forever. And so I really, I dug a little deeper, you know, read the lyrics, which, you know, I don't always do. Mm-hmm. And I just, God, such a, such a talent. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so the one Roman holiday bit of 
trivia I have is regarding guitar songwriter Brian Bonham. Brian Bonham is now uh, a professor and chair of Russian history at Youngstown State wow. University. Teaches a number of courses in modern European history and environmental history. So I looked him up. Here's a, I, if you want to give him a call, there it is. It's right there. You can you want to talk about? Uh, don't try to stop it. What? <laughs> wow, that's that's very impressive. Youngstown is in Ohio. Uh, yeah, in Ohio. That's really impressive. Yeah. So he's doing that, and uh, I I think uh, Roman Holiday is no more. Maybe they'll do a reunion. Maybe they'll do their one song on one of the '80s tours. Maybe we should give him a call right now and <laughs> see what. Okay, we can interview him. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. He will be happy to talk about. <laughs> no, but we can talk about European history. God, that's really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So there's Roman your, Holiday to bed. All right. Roman Holiday. Oh, by the way, is Roman Holiday on this updated list? Well, I think it's catchy enough to have stayed on the list. I'm going, I'm going with no. That is correct. It is no longer on the list. I am three for three today. Good for you. Thank you. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> all right. Number 67. All right. Send me an angel. Right now. Yeah. Right now. Real life. Yes, yeah, from is Heartland. The, is the band. This is a this was a double hit. Did you know that? A double hit meaning when they re released it in nineteen eighty nine? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh but you know, it, it reached all the way up to uh number twenty nine in, in uh actually it, it peaked in nineteen eighty four and then they re released it and then it went up another three spots to Number 26. <laughs> yeah. Did you know they were Australian? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, they sounded uh, they sound like from the UK. Right. I, I would have guessed that also. It kind of reminded me of Pet Shop Boys in a way, the song. Oh, yeah, kind of. I can, I can see that. Yeah. So uh-huh. you, you've had, did you, and this wasn't necessarily your cup of tea, this type? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was not my cup of tea. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I listened to, it's a, it's a, Decent song. It sounds like K Rock from 1983. I could see why it was played. Totally. Um, <laughs> but I, I think uh, number 29 on the U.S. charts is probably deserved. You know, that's about yeah. as high as it should go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If Dave is creating the chart. If I was okay. creating the chart, the, uh, is this on the updated list? Uh, it's definitely on the updated list. It is indeed. Number yeah. 60. I am four for four. Look at you. Go, yeah. go, go. And I, do, I absolutely would have guessed that it was ahead of Falco. And an Falcon. REM or uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That, yeah. So, so yay for send me an angel. <laughs> so there you go. Yay for send me an angel. Still <laughs> lives on. Yes. Uh, another band that lives on is OMD, which oh, is yeah. number 66. Yep. Um, this is the song radio waves. Do you remember this song? I do. I, I, were, were you a fan of OMD? Yeah, still am. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, when I would listen to this, like I played it like, Oh my, ah, this and song or Dazzle yeah, Ships, the I, whole album? No, I played Radio I played radio Waves okay. just to remind myself. And then I played it again. <laughs> oh, this is kind of like this. It's a great dance song. It, um, uh, and actually, when I was listening to it, I like, oh, this reminds me of Kraftwerk. And then I looked on, um, on Wikipedia yeah. and they had a review of, um, of, this, of this, this whole album. The guy from NME uh, said... Once orchestral maneuvers in the dark get any place, you can guarantee Kraftwerk were there at least five years previously. <laughs> That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. No, no I, but that but uh, this album holds up, and this song holds up. It's, I, agree I think with it's you. an it's an original work. I I love it. I really like them. I, I agree, and that it was a good follow up. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, they and they continue. I think they they still tour and uh, yeah. 
Yeah, they're still playing around. They do their 80s, 80s shows. <laughs> Andy McCluskey and Paul Humphreys. Yeah. Um, yeah, just great voice and great unique sounds. So is this, uh, this OMD song, is this unique OMD song still on the charts? I want it to be, but I don't think it is. It is still on the charts. Oh, Num- okay. Number 58. <gasps> Yeah, that is very exciting. Super exciting. Okay, <laughs> I, good. I'm I'm glad. Yeah, I'm happy. No, I, to, I'm I, happy to be wrong. No, yeah. OMD is uh, they were one of the yeah staples of K Rock. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess we never said the full name of the band. I know they go by OMD, but it's Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, which I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast probably knows that. But yeah, do you know what REM stands for? Rapid Eye Movement. That's correct. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me something else. I'm secret. No. Well, secret o- honestly, it means nothing. I yeah. mean, the band always says it's just letters. I mean, you know, yeah, make up it what you want. How about we take a break right now? Okay. We've been counting down a lot and I've lost count. So uh, let's regroup and uh, we'll be right back. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to What Difference Does It Make? Uh, moving on to 65, we got the B-52's Legal Tender. Yes, from Whammy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your fam- so what's your favorite Whammy? You like the uh, the Whammy bar? You like uh, the tremolo from uh, the guitar, the Whammy bar? <laughs> That's it, yeah. Do you think yeah. Of, yeah, like surf like music, that. they always have like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, you know, I, Whammy is just a fun song. Yeah. Fun, uh, fun to say. Sounds like a uniquely B fifty two song. Yeah. Or B fifty two's word. There's a whammy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever whammy watch kiss? I like the whammy kiss. Did you ever watch Pressure Luck? No. Where they scream, No whammies, no whammies. There was always <laughs> like it was like a trivia and you would hit a button and it would kind of determine what um what type of question you would get. 
But if you hit like this little red monster, it was called the whammy. And and that would set your your uh, cash total to zero. So this is a game show? Yeah. Don't you remember the screaming? No whammies. No whammies. No. Really? Oh, I'll have to. Uh, I'll send. We'll, we'll post we that as well. We got a lot to post. So much. <laughs> yes. I do not whammies remember Whammies is a great word. Have you seen Anchorman? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Champ kind? No. The sportscaster? What was his What was his expression? No whammies? <laughs> no. It was, it was whammy. As oh, in, yeah. <laughs> as in G- Gene Tennis at the plate and whammy. <laughs> okay. right. It is a good word. It's right. a multi-purpose word. Okay. So there, there's my whammy <laughs> trivia. <Okay. laughs> yes. And, oh, and, and then there was and, the song. Oh, the song. <laughs> yeah. Legal tender. Whammy, yes. Legal and, tender. I thought you were talking about. And heavy. Whammy, whammy kiss. Equipment. <laughs> <laughs> they were so unique. I mean, I, it's I, a great I say song. it every episode. I love 1983. Yeah. No, this was a good song. And plus, yeah. uh, no Fred Schneider on this one. Usually, I, I like Fred. Uh, um, you know, he's a good embellishment. But yeah. with this, it was just Kate and Cindy. And uh, that's... You're they're, right. They're both wonderful. I love Kate Pearson, who sang on a number of R.E.M. songs. Yeah. and uh, Good, but good uh, harmony. A really good song. And is it still on the K-Rock updated list? Yes, it is. It's a minor hit. It is. It is. Number yeah. 59. So my um, so slipping in between real life and OMD, they, okay. they put in legal tender. Okay, uh, so I'm 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 five for six. Yeah, doing well. Okay, thank you. I'm still at an A. All right, um, <laughs> all right. So now comes a bizarre song. This is number sixty four. Okay, wait. Can we go back? Sorry. Please go ahead. You there? Can we point out that they are also from Athens? That we have two bands from Athens, Georgia, oh. just in this ten chunk of songs. Good point. Yeah. B-52 is also from Athens. Yeah. Nicely. It's a small town. Mm-hmm. A small musical town. Yeah. And Go ahead. All these tidbits. You know, Cindy Wilson, she's the only member who is not a vegetarian, only member of the B-52s. Okay. Hmm. How about that? How about that? How about that? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So now we go to number 64. Jimmy the Hoover. <laughs> Tantalize. <laughs> woo, woo, ee, yay, yay. Do, do you remember the song? A little bit. Okay. Not proud of this song. I, <laughs> I'm not proud this song exists. It sounds like a kid's song to me. Yeah, I, I and did. I saw the video. Like, oh, this sound, this looks like something <laughs> I would watch, show my kids. Like uh, when they were yeah four or five years. The Wiggles. Old. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, it's fine. <laughs> this was well, Malcolm McLaren's. Yeah, they were managed by Malcolm McLaren, uh, so you got to give them a little bit of credibility, right? I mean, I guess he was all over the place. He had his clean-cut uh, Jimmy the Hoover. He <laughs> had his Bow Wow Wow, his little yeah. temptress with Bow Wow Wow. Yeah. And he had his filthy band with the Sex Pistols. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was all over the map. He was. I guess it, he, he thought maybe guessing. this was like super commercial. Like maybe he was. this was his trying to get like, okay, let's get the ultimate commercial Let's sound. get a hit. Yeah, maybe that was it. Just blatantly... Try and let's try and do whatever it takes to get a hit. Yeah, <laughs> and their only hit, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't really. A, I mean, it made it up to eighteen in the UK. That's a hit. Yeah. That's hitty enough. This was. Uh, did you see? It was produced by Steve Levine, who produced Color by Numbers. Yep. So that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it's this, a good connection for us. Yeah, but this could have. I don't know. This sounds like a Baby Shark type song. Yes. Instead of do 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 do, there was whoa whoa ee, yay yay. Very good comparison. Yeah. I'm not sure it even kept, caught on as much as Baby Shark. Thankfully. <laughs> oh, all right. So less said the better. Is this yeah. on the update? 
no, I don't. Think of it course is. not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Less said about the better. Yes. I, my apologies to Jimmy the Hoover. <laughs> I like the name though. And I actually I don't thought, even know. I, is there a Jimmy in this band? I don't think so. No, there's a Simon and a Derek and a Carla and a Flinto. Flinto. He and was a my Chris favorite. and a Mark. Flinto was oh, your favorite? Flinto was my favorite in the band. <laughs> Flinto was the bass player. Uh, but he was then replaced by Chris Cole. That's why I dropped the band after Flinto left. Like, it wasn't the same. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yes, we know this, is, this was not on the list. And so we move on to number 63. Pat Wilson with Bop Girl. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name Pat Wilson. I remember the name. When I think of Pat Wilson, I think of the, uh, the drummer in Weezer. <laughs> Who this is not because she is a she, Pat. She, she is indeed a she. Mm-hmm. This was uh, as opposed to uh, Cindy Lauper, who she bopped. She bopped. She bopped. This was this was the bop girl. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it was. Uh, no, it wasn't about I think she what was what's just in the, bopping around. Yes, this is this is just <laughs> sweet innocent bopping around. Yeah, she was a journalist. She wrote uh, this. Uh, Pat Wilson wrote for Go Set, a 1960s pop music hmm. newspaper. She wrote her column under the pen name Mummy Cool. Huh. Yeah. So there you go. That is cool. And you know uh, that this the video for this song. Do you know who it starred? I did see that, but please tell me. <laughs> it was Nicole Kidman. She was 15 years old. Yeah. Did you watch it? Australian. Did you watch the video? Uh, I did watch the video. Did you see her? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. She looks the same, yeah, same she, face. She does look the same. Yeah. <laughs> she insisted, yeah, I'm sure you saw the same information, that the video can be used for a BBC documentary about her career and also in an American cinematic tribute to her. Which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. No, well, you, yeah. you got to get your start somewhere. Yeah. Why not be a music video? Yeah. Like Courtney Cox. That's right. <laughs> As I just saw, um, Pat was used the pen name Mummy Cool. And I just realized <laughs> that the, uh, the song was written by her husband, Ross Wilson, yeah. who was in a band called Daddy Cool. <laughs> so there you go. Yes. And he was in another band called Mondo Rock. All right. But. <laughs> all right. And this song, with this song went to number two in Australia. Okay. <laughs> I think it won a, an award for best debut single. I mean, th- that's something. Yeah. You got to begin somewhere. You do. Yet, I still do not think this was on the top 80 chart. I think this song was deleted. That's correct. Yeah. Very okay. good. We have number 62. Can you tell me what it is? It's the Eurythmics, Love is a Stranger. Correct. I love this song. Well, of do course. Do you love this song? Yes. Because it's, it's love? Because it's the Eurythmics. It's Annie Lennox. This yeah. is our... Well, it wasn't our introduction to her, but this no. was one of the songs from that album. Yeah. This, I find my favorite song on the album. Oh, yeah? Yes. Do you like this song? I, yes. Yeah, yeah, I like all the songs. I, I um, It's funny. I didn't get into the, I, I like all the Eurythmic songs. I don't know why I didn't, I, I didn't get I aboard know. the Eurythmics uh, bandwagon until I, I think a couple albums in. Like I, I thought it seemed like it would be a one hit wonder for something like Sweet Dreams or, you know. Wow. Like, um, hmm. but yeah, but they kept having, but I liked all these songs. I thought, all right, well, you know, I don't know. Was, giving them a chance. Yeah. And plus, you know, Annie Lennox had this different look to yeah. her. Um, I almost which saw her I as lo- a Laurie Anderson like, totally. back then. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. As, uh, as a teenage boy, it just didn't connect with me at the time as you get older, you know, as I got into college, like, oh my God, she is realized that she's super cool and, you know, can yeah. write a really good song. Yeah. Or 10. Yes. Or well, 20. right. Well, love it. Yeah. Love is straight. I think I'm sure she did the lyrics, but you know, like in, in the describing love, did you, I, I wrote down the lyrics. 
um, describing love, she says, it's savage and it's cruel and it shines like destruction, comes in like the flood and it seems like religion. It's noble and it's brutal. It distorts and deranges and it wretches you up and you're left like a zombie. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Yes. And I want you, <laughs> it's an, and I want you so it's an obsession, which is much better than uh, an emotion ever said. <laughs> much better. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, like you read that and like wow that's uh she's on it she has her yeah that's that's some good uh that's some good songwriting right there she's describing love the way i would describe love yeah in a much better prolific way yeah brilliant this was the first song on on their uh sweet dreams uh the first song on the album on the album yeah Yeah. this first song on the sweet dreams album um and this was the first single and it flopped and then yeah yeah, i mean it, it made it up to 54 originally in 82 and then came Sweet Dreams, and then that took off immediately. And then they're like, all right, let's try this, uh, this Love is a Stranger song again. And then it uh, it's made it up to number six. I love that when you really believe in a in a song, you know? I mean, to release it again, not everybody has to take that chance. They didn't have to take that chance. Right. They had already had a bunch of hits from that album. Right, right, right. You had, you know, Sweet Dreams was a, was a big hit. Then, okay, well, this last song flopped. Maybe we should go on something else, and they didn't. We will see the Rhythmics uh, many a couple other times on the, in 1983. Yes, we will. Is this song still on the list? This song is on the list because I want it to be on the list. It is on the list. <laughs> Here's another thing. We will talk about Sweet Dreams later. On the K-Rock updated list, they've added Here Comes the Rain Again. Oh. That's at number 76. And and what is this one? This was not, Here Comes the Rain Again was not on the original, pu- the original list. Mm-hmm. But it is now on the updated list. Okay, and that's this song cool. this song, Love is a Stranger, is at number fifty seven. Oh. That's a good spot for it. It's a great <laughs> spot for it. All right, so we will wrap up this episode with uh song sixty one. This is by this young up and coming uh artist <laughs> by the name of David Bow Wow Bow how do you say it? what? Who Bowie is? dude. Bowie. Okay. David Bowie, China Girl. Mm. Good stuff. Oh. <laughs> um yeah, so this was um you you want to talk about this? You want to take this? Well, I'll only tell you a personal anecdote. Okay, go ahead. Memories, but it has nothing to do with David Bowie or um, okay, my love or passion for David Bowie. But it's one of these things that I'll always remember, and I I don't know why because I was a th- this is when he made you know I mean this was a turn for him. This was a um, he went in a different direction. Yeah, you know, well, from, he, from he, all the other stuff that we have loved, you know, he, had loved. He hired uh, Nile Rodgers of yeah, Chic to yeah. to produce this album. He's he writes hits. Yeah, this was this song was released. Well, it was nineteen eighty three. Was on Less Dance, and I was in, we. I was in my first year of college, and I would take a Spanish class. And because at the time I thought I was going to minor in Spanish, and I met this guy in the class who I fell madly in love with, and the feelings were not reciprocated. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Although I did. Here's a story. I did buy. Here's a story within a story. That's what prompted me. I never had an answering machine on my phone mm. before I met this guy. And when he said that he was going to call me, I ran right out and bought one because I thought, oh, I don't want to miss this. Nothing ever happened. Nothing came of it. Except that I did I did find out. You still have that answering machine, though. <laughs> no, but I, I should have. I, there was no message from him on it, so why would I have saved it? <laughs> um, I did find out that later on that he was a, a big uh, drug dealer, and he drove, he drove a Corvette. 
He was like Falco. He probably liked Falco a lot. <laughs> he said, you reminded me of Matt Dillon. Anyway, we spent our time in the Spanish class trying to translate this song, China Girl, into Spanish. Mm. <laughs> so that is my... And can you sing? Can you sing me? I'm not going to. Can you just uh, recite a few what? lyrics? Ojos de azul, eyes of blue. <laughs> <laughs> can you say yeah. visions of swastikas in my head in Spanish? Uh, no. <laughs> you could. Yes. <laughs> okay. I would say photos de swastikas en, entre mi cabeza, entre mis orejas, between my ears, you know, in my head, something like that. Okay. Yeah. You, but yes, so so that's my story about this. That's song. nice. Yeah. And I, yeah, so it all, it, this will always remind me of that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, Iggy's and uh, and David Bowie's versions are quite different. Yes, they are. Iggy's is you have a preference is dirty. Well, yeah. yes, I, I love Bowie's version. Yeah, but yeah, even I think there was some comment that like um, only oh, only Nile Rodgers could take a song with a with a lyric like "Visions of Swastikas in My Head" and make it a pop hit. Right. Exactly. Like any day. <laughs> Yeah, I did read a thing. Um, are you familiar with the author Susan Choi? Um, she wrote this book, Trust Exercise. It just came out. It's uh, uh, recently won the 2019 National Book Award in fiction. I just put it on my list of books to read. It centers around a group of performing arts students in an unnamed southern city during the 80s. She's a child of the She's probably our age and a phenomenal writer. But anyway, they in Pitchfork a couple of weeks ago, they asked her her favorite song, like songs that, that what is she listening to right now? And she singled out uh, China Girl. And she said, um, all of the Bowie songs from the early 80s are very meaningful to me because they were the first ones that I really loved. Musically, I don't like China Girl. It's one of my least favorite songs of his. But that song has preoccupied me a lot. Bowie had this incredible, suave, incredibly sophisticated, almost knife-like presence. And yet he's so gentle. One of the reasons China Girl was and remains so confusing to me is because of its many layers. At first listen, it could sound really racist. And then after several listens, it actually feels as if Bowie is, with incredible insightfulness, dismantling all of the layers of objectification and orientalism and sexism that are wrapped up in the stereotype of the China Girl. You can listen to this song and feel like either he's perpetuating that stereotype or he's actually understanding it better than anyone else ever did. He always seemed like somebody who, if you sat down and talked to him, he would have listened and understood. I think it's very perceptive, and especially from someone of that, you know, she she's that heritage, and to hear a song like China Girl. Comes um, from a different perspective yes. than, than we do. Right. I wouldn't, yeah, it, it never, you know, as a white boy in the San Fernando Valley, it didn't really you don't think much resonate with me. Yeah, it didn't resonate with me like, she touches on his vocals and like, yeah, you can kind of hear that's why he connected with so many people is just the way he presents songs. And the description of him that she wrote before you described this song was totally accurate, like a knife, but so, but soft, something mm-hmm. like that. His presence. Yeah. That's uh, so accurate. Right. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I read yeah. this and like, oh, okay, I mean, I need to look into her yeah. uh, her book, <laughs> like her, up, her, her latest yeah. book. Yeah. You read it first and then let, let me know. Oh, I will. <laughs> or listen to it. Uh, yeah, the Audible. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Might just do that. Oh, that's right. You're digging up the- uh, Oh, yeah. The, the oh, yeah, book. baby. The 80s music trivia quiz book. Okay. So what will ask you all the years. All right. So you are asking me- I believe I'm asking you. So today Dave is going to answer these questions. Okay. Which of these albums by Duran Duran was released 
first. Notorious Rio Duran Duran. Uh, well, Duran Duran. Very good. In which year, these are always our favorite, did yeah. Bonnie Tyler release the song Total Eclipse of the Heart? 81, 83, 85. Okay. See, that's funny because I was thinking later, but uh, total, was it Total Eclipse of the Heart? Yeah. Um, 83. Very good. All right. Good guess. Which one of these studio albums by Tina Turner was released first? Break Every Rule, Foreign Affair, Private Dancer. I'll go with Private Dancer. Very good. You are three for three. All right. Dave, you get an A. <laughs> well, Which song so far? Okay. You have an A so far. All Let's right. see if you can keep the A. Which song by Duran Duran was the theme music for a James Bond movie? You do a kill. Good. All right. Who released the song Dreamin' in 1980? Are you talking about Blondie? Nope. I'm talking about Rod Stewart, Leo Sayer, or Cliff Richard. Um, oh, okay. Um, dreaming in dreamin', 1980. Dreaming with a, like an apostrophe? Yes. Okay. See, that's a good one because I was, uh, boy, I will You're not, I'm going to just guess Leo Sayer. Nope. It was Cliff Richard. Okay. Okay. So it was yeah. a good, good guess though. All, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wrong guess. That's not a good guess. Yeah. It was just wrong. It was a good guess. It was just wrong. (laughs) Which of the three Lionel Richie albums released in the 1980s was released last? Mm. Can't Slow Down, Dancing on the Ceiling, Lionel Richie. Let's see. So Can't Slow Down was probably like 82. I don't know. Like, All right. So I'm going to guess that Lionel Richie, like a debut, maybe that came first. Can't Slow Down. And then what was the other one? Dancing on the Ceiling. All right. So Dancing on the Ceiling was 84. Let's go with Dancing on the Ceiling. Very good. All right. See? Dave, I love the way you, you break this down. <laughs> very impressive. I oh. just blurt it out. Sometimes you go with your first, sometimes right, right. we go with our first instinct, but very good. I like the way you break it down. All right. Well, I got to look at, uh, now I'm thinking about Dreaming and, uh, and Cliff Richard. We're going to have to listen to it. Yeah. All right. Who had success in 1986 with the song Breakout? Breakout. That was uh, uh, everything but the girl, wasn't that? Or Swing Out Sister. Very good. (laughs) Very good. Okay. (laughs) You are six for seven. Which song by Madonna contains the phrase, Last Night I Dreamt of San Pedro? Last Night I Dreamt of San Pedro. It's Las Las La Bonita. Very good. La Isla Bonita. I know. So you you could sing that in Spanish. I could. If I knew the lyrics (laughs) offhand. What was Bonnie Tyler's birth name? Ooh, I will not know that, but go ahead. Okay, Anna Bullock, Gaynor Hopkins, or Susan Ballian? This is just going to be a guess, right? Why would you change your name from all right, Susan to Bonnie? <laughs> Bonnie Tyler has a nice ring to it. Bonnie Tyler is a great name. Um, all right, Anna Bullock, Gaynor Hopkins. See, if I was anabolic, Anna Bullock. Anna Bullock, Gaynor Hopkins, or Gaynor Susan Hopkins is a Ballian. great name. I'm going to go with Susan. No, it was Gaynor Hopkins. She changed it from Gaynor Hopkins. Gaynor Hopkins is a great name, and you yeah. made a huge mistake, Bonnie Tyler, even though Bonnie Tyler is a good name, too. But Gaynor Hopkins. Yeah. I like that. I totally agree. I like that. Huh. All right. Next time I see Bonnie, I'm going to... Give her hell. Hey, Gaynor. All right. You are seven for nine. Okay. All right. Who released the song The Rain in 1986? Blame it on The Rain? Nope. Uh, the Rain. The, the rain. rain. The rain. I know the song because it was popular when I was an intern at Power 106. So okay. your choices are Ray Parker Jr., Billy Ocean, or Oran Juice Jones. Well, then I think you just gave it away. It was Oran Juice Jones. How did I give it away? Because you worked at Power, and that's something they would play. They 
probably would have played. Uh, you're right, but they probably would have played Billy Ocean to Ray Parker Jr. What is the correct answer? It is the correct answer. All right. Um, actually, I do remember that because Donald Glover was on SNL. He did a parody of that song, "The Rain." That song. Uh, it was a. No, it was a. Uh, it was a skit on uh, Saturday Night Live. I'll have to, uh, we'll post that. Wow, that's a lot of video this week. Yeah, I know. So much. Hey, it's time for us to go. <laughs> now it's Hit time. Hit the road, Jack. Now it's time to say goodbye. To all our family. Thank yeah. you, everyone, for listening to What Difference Does It Make, Thank the you. podcast. Thank you to Joel for... Uh, for creating our brilliant uh, music. Yes, which I will pop up right there. Oh, there you go. So check us out. Check us out on all our, our social media and uh, give us a shout. Let us know what you think. Yes, WDDIM podcast is the uh, the keyword. Yep. All right. So until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.